Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to a special mini-series of episodes sponsored by Good Chemistry Lives Here. I'm Dana K. White of aslobcomesclean.com, and normally... On my regular podcasts that come out on Thursdays, I blather on about doing your dishes and decluttering your closet and the container concept. But today we're talking about science. No, really science. So here's why I said yes when Good Chemistry Lives Here asked to sponsor these episodes. So I know from personal experience and because I hear it from so many of you that one big hang up people like us have about cleaning is that we fear using products incorrectly or we just don't understand what it is they're supposed to do or how they're supposed to do it. Because this job that I have that I totally made up, um, I have had the unique opportunity to go into the labs and talk to the people who create so many of the products that I use in my home. And I find it fascinating and so helpful to actually talk to these people. Um, I've actually always, several different times at least, have asked could I please interview these scientists on my podcast? And that is why I was happy to take this project on. So I'm going to be doing a series of interviews with scientists that give you insight and help you understand too. I will also be talking to people with the federal government and to those who work in the industry of antimicrobials. This series is called Humanizing the Science of Antimicrobials. And the first episode is demystifying antimicrobials. And that's the name that they came up with. But demystifying, you know, is ex basically exactly how I would explain it. I love it. So the Good Chemistry Lives Here brand was created by the companies that make and work with antimicrobials to ensure those of us who use them are educated on how they are used responsibly, effectively and safely. So what is an antimicrobial? It's basically anything that eliminates microbes. It can be a disinfectant spray or wipe. It can be in a wood finish. It can be in our clothes to help make sure they last longer and smell fresh or clean. It's a lot of things, and we're going to talk about all of them. The Good Chemistry Lives Here website has educational materials on subjects like tips that help stop the spread of COVID-19 and top 10 surprisingly germy hotspots in your house. The goal of this sponsored podcast series is to help me and therefore you understand what antimicrobials are, how they make our lives better, how companies are self-regulated, but also regulated by federal and state governments to ensure the products are safe for use and how to use certain antimicrobials safely in different settings, especially in your home. Almost everywhere you look, you will find microbes. You won't actually see them because they are living organisms too small to be seen with the naked eye. While some microbes are good and important to many ecosystems, others can cause serious illnesses or cause products and materials to degrade and break down prematurely. The good chemistry of antimicrobials addresses the bad aspects of microbes. Today, I am speaking to Dr. Elaine Black. 
a lead microbiologist with Ecolab, a St. Paul, Minnesota company that develops and offers services, technology, and systems that specialize in water treatment, purification, cleaning, and hygiene in a wide variety of applications. She is here to talk more about what antimicrobials are and why they're important. I will also be speaking with Brian Burden, who works for a professional service company called Mooring USA that has spent much of the past year treating professional properties and spaces with disinfectants to stop the spread of COVID. Welcome, Dr. Black. I'm so thankful that you're willing to come on and give us all your sciencey knowledge today. Are you ready for this? I think so. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, first let's start off by you telling me a little bit about yourself. I want to know professionally, but I also kind of want to know some personal, whatever you're willing to share. Not like everything you're willing to share, but like maybe that would, uh, you know, appeal to my listeners who are all just pretty normal everyday people. Okay. Well, um, yeah, the sciencey stuff, I have a PhD in microbiology, food science. So that's my science stuff, but I am a mother of one five-year-old, um, oh. a, a very hairy dog. And my husband is a computer nerd. So this podcast stuff, I really relied on him to just set up the mic and get everything ready for me. So that's, that's me at home. Um, and I'm originally from Ireland. You can sometimes hear the accent, but I do hear it now that you not say that. always. <laughs> So we're here to talk about antimicrobials. So first, explain to us what are antimicrobials and where do we find them? Okay. Well, antimicrobials are quite a big range of, of things. They're chemistries or agents or compounds that basically kill bacteria, viruses, all the nasties, all the bugs, the things that make us sick, or they prevent the growth of things like mold or things that just make things, you know, go bad or decay or smell. So they're the the agents, the chemistries, the chemicals that basically do that work. Okay. Are they naturally occurring? Some of them are. They're, most of them are somehow derived from naturally occurring materials and, and then a lot are synthesized. But yeah, they're, they're a bit of both. Okay. So my cleaning products that I already have in my home have antimicrobials in them. Is there some kind of wording on these that lets me know that they specifically achieve that purpose? Yeah, absolutely. So if it's an antimicrobial that the purpose is to say disinfect your countertop, then on the label, you'll see active ingredient, and that will give you the name of the compound or the chemistry that, that is doing the job in that product. And then there could be other things in that product too, that are good for, you know, making bubbles or, you know, helping you clean things away. But the thing that's going to do the killing is labeled as the active ingredient, kind of like our drugs. Okay. Like so if you see a drug bottle, it'll have a, like a drug facts and it will tell you what the active ingredient is. Okay. So let's say that it didn't have the antimicrobial in it. And so I was able to clean it and it looked clean, but there would still be stuff there that I couldn't see. Is that what you're saying? There absolutely could be because, you know, we think about the microbes that make us sick. They're, they're invisible. They're invisible to our eye. They're so tiny. They're microscopic. You know, just think about the viruses and the virus we're dealing with right now, you know, uh, SARS-CoV-2, the COVID virus. These are things that we, we can't see. We can't wash them off. They're there on the surface if we know that there's an antimicrobial in the product, we have testing. We know that those can kill those organisms if you get in contact with them. So basically it's that added layer. Um, so, you know, a cleaner really just does the cleaning. If you've got a disinfectant 
or a, a disinfectant agent or antimicrobial in there, you're getting the cleaning and the disinfection and, and that kind of extra layer of safety. Okay. Let's talk about chicken. Um, sure. <laughs> since you like to talk about food, hopefully my listeners are not necessarily in the hospital situation, although we do have a lot of medical professionals, but aren't in that situation on a regular basis, but we are all cooking chicken on a regular basis. And I know that chicken is one of those things that, I mean, I know people who will not cook chicken because they are just so scared. So like, what do you personally do to use antimicrobials before, after whatever, when you're cooking chicken in your home? Sure. And actually, before chicken gets to you, it probably has encountered some antimicrobials in the processing okay. in the factory. Um, but when it comes to you, it, it there is a very high level of or high chance that there's salmonella or the other one that people probably don't know as much campylobacter on that on the surface that can make you sick. And yeah, there's you're not supposed to wash it too much. You're not supposed to handle it too much because you can spread that bacteria around your kitchen, you know, on your countertops, cutting boards, implements. So when I'm dealing with a chicken, I just am very aware of what I'm touching and wash my hands again and again and again. And then when I'm done, I do use like an antimicrobial wipe. So like a disinfectant wipe or a sanitizing wipe or a disinfectant spray to spray down that area. So it's trying to keep it all contained because the chicken is, chicken is just kind of gross. And so, it is. um, and it just, it feels icky anyway on your hands. So <laughs> why not wash your hands a lot? And of I, course. I really do that with any meat product because, you know, it's, there is just that chance, that higher chance of having something on there that could get to your counter and you can't see it. So you don't know if you touched the glass that you're giving to your kid with milk in, you know, so you just, you just have to take those extra precautions. So scrubbing out the sink with dish soap and a scrubber is not sufficient. You would do that. And then you would do an antimicrobial product or what would you say? So I, I feel that the sink is, um, you can disinfect the sink if you really are dealing with your chicken in the sink, but really I would say that at least when I'm doing it, I'm, I, you know, I have a space with the cutting board. And so that area I would really disinfect the, the, the sink, you know, hot water and soap is is great to wash it all down. Okay. But the, you know, the outside of the sink and the counter around the sink for where there's a splash zone, I would disinfect that. I do. And I disinfect all the handles. I mean, I have a whole, I have a whole system when I yeah. do chicken. <laughs> the, handle, Just, the handles are important. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So in what ways are antimicrobials already all around us? And why is this a good thing? Right. Well, they are really all around us. And I, I was trying to think today about like just things that you wouldn't think of where they are, you know, easy, easy, maybe ones to kind of think about our, you know, our drinking water is protected. You know, we're, we have chlorinated water. That's an antimicrobial that is keeping us really? safe from a lot of disease. Water is a really interesting one because it really is, um, it's, you know, one of our most vital resources and antimicrobials are used in a, in a really smart way, an efficient way to, to allow us to reuse water in areas that make sense um, because water scarcity is, is just a really big problem. And so, you know, the, the ability for us to be able to manufacture things like recycle cardboard, for example, you use a lot of water in those processes. And so if you are recycling cardboard, you're bringing in dirty cardboard, you're bringing in stuff that you've put in the recycling bin that has organisms or slime or mold or anything on it. 
and that gets into the system and it fouls up the water. And so we can use antimicrobials to just keep that clean and reuse that water again and again. So we don't. So have it's to not necessarily it. being used for drinking, but it is able to be used again and again for that purpose. That's, that's yeah, great. absolutely. That I mean, that's just one example. We preserve so many things with um, with antimicrobials. We preserve wood. We pre- preserve lots of materials in the built environment, so that we are not just dumping stuff, throwing it away. We're not having to replace items. We're not having to replace our deck or replace furniture that's gone moldy or decay because of microbial growth. And I think that's, it's important when you think about areas, like I live in Minnesota, so it's cold. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, you know, you think about some of the Southern states where you've got high humidity or the the environment is just ripe for things to grow um, and decay. And if it's not preserved, it's just pretty unpleasant and it it really is, is wasteful. So that's another area that they're really, they're there. They're there, you don't think about them, but they're there and it's it's very important for us to have them. So a lot of times maybe the difference between indoor and outdoor furniture. And maybe it's not as big of a deal in Minnesota, but you know, like in, <laughs> in Texas, I mean we you can't put indoor furniture outside. It will just completely, yeah, fall apart um, yeah. very quickly from yeah, that's a great example. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That's a great example. Okay. I've always wondered what the difference was. But <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So Just give me some more ideas on what it is. And we've talked about this to a degree, but go ahead and just say, you know, what, what are things in general that we are being protected against by antimicrobials? What are antimicrobials protecting us against? Okay. So uh, they're really protecting us against illness, you know, the, the, because the aim is to kill the organisms. And then on the side of the ones that preserve, they're protecting us from that kind of economic loss or the, the, the idea that you have to continue to replace things. So there's the sustainability protection there, but on the, on the side of what they're protecting us from within the, with the organisms. So we have our foodborne illness, hospital acquired infections, the viruses that are out there, you know, in the world, uh, you know, we know, we know that we should be using hand sanitizer right now during the pandemic. That is, that's the antimicrobial ethanol or other antimicrobials that are in hand sanitizers that will kill the virus on our hands so that we're not transferring it around or passing it along to, or giving it to ourselves if we've touched something that has the virus. So they're protecting us from those organisms. In your scientific opinion, how effective do you feel like hand sanitizers are? Pretty effective. I've seen the results um, of hand wash studies and, and also just the the, just the basic science of how the ethanol kills the organisms or, you know, that type of type of thing. So it is, it's very effective. If it's, if it's used properly, it's, it's very effective. Would you say that the ones that stink worse are better? Because <laughs> I cannot believe the variety of like sometimes, cause I'm, I'm one of those, like if there's hand sanitizer stations, I'm going to sanitize my hands basically every single time, you know? And so I have my own and I'm like, okay, I'm used to this smell, but there have been a few where I've been like, oh, whoa, like I, it almost hurts my eyes, whatever it is that's in them. I will tell you, there's, there's actually a good reason for that. So okay, when the pandemic first, first hit, there was a little bit of a shortage and a little bit of a scramble to produce as much hand sanitizer as really the, right. the demand was there. And so the FDA um, loosened up some of their rules and allowed more companies to start to make it. And you saw that there was a lot of um, like distillers and other people making hand sanitizer. So what, the FDA did was they released a formulation, um, like a recipe. Uh, we, we call it the who 
the WHO, World Health Organization recipe. And it's a strong, strong solution. And it's a very, it's liquid. It's not a gel. It doesn't have a thickening. That's what this was. Yeah. It has the it has ethanol, but I think it also has uh, peroxide. It's a formulation that was kind of designed for really significant outbreaks across the world where it might be difficult to get some of the ingredients. So it's a simple formulation and it's a potent formulation. And so, yeah, you were probably getting the strong stuff. Um, <laughs> and so I would say that who formulation, it was made by many, many companies, um, over the last, you know, nine months. And it's, um, there's been a shift now. I think you're seeing more gels and you're seeing as companies be able to crank up their production, you're seeing a bit more variety in the, in the hand sanitizer world. But back then, yeah, it was, it was that super liquid, high strength, potent stuff that you were dealing with. As a mom, I'm I'm either going to prove myself wrong or my kids wrong here. How, when you glob it onto your kid's hand, do you do a small amount or do you do a really healthy amount? <laughs> healthy is probably not the word I'm supposed to use in this connotation, but anyway, um, my kids are always like, mom, we don't need that much. And I'm like, listen, it needs to cover everything. <laughs> I think I, I think a medium amount. I mean, I'm not, dr- I'm not drowning and drenching them in, uh, <laughs> in, in sanitizers. I won't so. let them hear you say that. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I think um, you have to you have to know your kids too and, and right. what, they're, what they're up to and what they're getting into. <laughs> so we've talked about um contributing to environmental and economic sustainability and that they let products last longer. We've talked about how they're all around us and what that's a good thing, what we're being protected against. Um so what what would the world look like without antimicrobials? Yeah, I think it would look pretty different. I it it's it's kind of a scary thought for me just because this is this is my world and I know where they're used and and I have an awareness and even just trying to think through this, you know, a little bit before the podcast, I think we would be in a very different world. I think I think hospitals would be in in some dire straits not being able to control contamination or, you know, just infection running rampant because you obviously you have to treat the patient, but you have to treat the environment too, to make sure that they're in a clean space and that you're not transferring the bugs. Think that on the sustainability side, we would really be replacing a lot more furniture or building materials, that type of thing. I think we would just see a lot more decay. And maybe because of that, we would basically not live in parts of this world where it just doesn't make sense to, to build structures because you would see so much decay. Uh, I think our food supply would look very different. And I think our availability of food in certain areas would look very different. We would basically, because we wouldn't really be able to process our food in such a clean way as we do today, uh, shelf life would be really short. And so you wouldn't be able to get the types of food that we can get today with the supply chain that we have, you know, getting your oranges or your strawberries or or whatever in different um in different regions because we just wouldn't be able to ship things around they wouldn't they wouldn't survive without some level of antimicrobial you know we've we have antimicrobials in our in our shampoos and in our you know in our makeup and so we would be keeping all that in the fridge because it it, it has very long you know they have very long shelf lives and depending on the formulation especially if you've got really mild formulations of different types of cosmetics the milder they are, the more uh, hospitable they are for organisms to start growing in them. <laughs> so, so like do- those of us with sensitive skin who have to have the more mild stuff, and microbials are essential there. Very much essential. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Interesting. 
I enjoyed this. This is really fun. Okay, good. Thank you. I was nervous, but yeah, hopefully we, hopefully we've got enough there. <laughs> you didn't seem nervous at all. You sounded great. I Thank lot. you. Okay. Well, now we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk to Brian Burden, who has direct experience with using antimicrobial disinfectants by applying them in public and office spaces and thus helping keep us all safer and healthier. You're ready to talk about antimicrobials, but before we do, tell me a little bit about you and your company, what it is that you do, and then anything about personally, sure, like sure, what's absolutely. your home life? Yeah. So I work with Maureen USA. Uh, we're headquartered here in Grand Prairie in the Metroplex, and um, we actually have been around in in some form since 1948. Our, wow. But I run our sales and marketing team. So we've got uh, from, a, from the emergency services side, a large part of what we do is marketing. Uh, because obviously we're trying to create relationships so that when events do happen, we have clients that want to use us. And then on the sales side, it's more construction related where we're actually, um, we're selling commercial construction opportunities. So uh, personally, uh, I've got three kiddos. I've got a sophomore uh, in college and I've got a senior in high school that's just about to go to college to the University of Arkansas. And then I've got my baby who's a sixth grader and uh, they're, they keep me hopping. And uh, oh, yeah. so we've, we've had uh, both professional and personal experience with COVID. Okay. So, and you actually just have recovered from COVID yourself, correct? That's right. Yeah. If you're willing to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course. No problem. I got it. Uh, I got it back on December 15th and was perfectly fine in the morning. And by the evening I was hundred and something degree fever and wow. ended up being in bed for five days and don't recommend it. Well, I'm, I'm very glad that you are feeling better. So let's talk about what are some public settings where antimicrobials are found and used? Uh, we, we see AMs across really all public settings. Um, you know, they're all markets, uh, all settings. Uh, we're going to see the use of those, uh, obviously, in, in healthcare and in places where um, you've got uh, infection and things, but you, you even see them today in things like gas stations, right? I mean, people are constantly disinfecting and trying to trying to keep things clean. So they're really everywhere. So is this what I'm seeing when I go to the grocery store, which I do as rarely as I possibly can, but when I go to the grocery store and there is the lady who is spraying things on the carts or I get a cart and I'm like, why is this wet? And then I realize, oh, it's because they've sprayed it. Is that antimicrobials that are being sprayed on those? Yeah, usually that's a that's going to be an example of that. Um, we're one thing that we have stressed pretty heavily, and uh, I think anyone that's in this business stresses is that you know we we recommend that you use a uh, EPA uh, verified product that that is capable of of doing the job it's intended to do, and then you know following the instructions precisely on that product. So right. So what are some of the other surfaces that are being disinfected on a regular basis? Because I know every company has sent out an email this year or last year, I guess in 2020 saying we are sanitizing regularly. So like, what does that mean? What surfaces are they focusing on? Well, I think it, it depends on the different uh, markets that you're, that you're talking about, but certainly high touch areas. Um, so doorknobs, thermostats, um, you know, things of that nature, um, point of service sales, uh, keypads, um, you know, ATMs, all, all that good stuff. Uh, anytime any of us fill up our cars, we, you know, use our hand sanitizer after we touch the gas pump. I mean, it's just kind of become a way of life. Um, but yeah, you're seeing it in various levels really across all markets. So how do they sanitize the key 
pad. Cause I mean, I'm super paranoid about it and I make sure I don't touch anything after I've done that before I've sanitized my hand, but like, how is that being done? If it's not between every single customer, is there something on there that fights the microbials, even if it's not between every customer? No, I mean, you really have to. So on a, on a commercial side, most of our clients are using their in-house janitorial to, to do this on a periodic basis. So at least, at least a daily basis, if not more often, but you know, the, the problem with, with COVID really is that, and, and with a lot of uh, contagions is that once you, you know, you can sanitize it, but once someone comes in and touches it, it's no, it's no longer sanitized. So, I mean, got it. Yeah. So, um, is it possible, let's talk about an office environment. I know a lot of people are now working from home, but there are those who are going back into work. Is it possible to create a completely sanitized environment in an office setting? In theory, yes, <laughs> it is. Um, the problem again is, is that once a human being walks back into that space, if they are carrying the contagion, then you're out of luck, right? So it's, um, I mean, typically when we get called in, we have, there's a confirmed case and they've started the contact tracing and they want to make sure that they've got a clean space for people to reenter. So yes, we can achieve that. It's really at that point, it's a matter of how deep do you want to go? Do you want to get just surface areas and high touch areas, or do you want to get into uh, a deeper cleaning where you're going actually inside of desk drawers and focusing on all equipment? If, you know, if an office has equipment or a warehouse has, you know, CNC machines or forklifts or something like that. So it's really a matter of how deep you want to go and how, how bad do you want to try to eradicate it? Okay. So after there has been a confirmed case, then you guys would go in and do a certain level of attacking those microbials or whatever with the antimicrobial products, correct? Yes, that's right. Okay. And, and we use a, a particular product, uh, but there's there's hundreds of them out there, if not thousands. Um, our, our level of disinfection at that level is more, uh, we're going to have crews come in with uh, backpack sprayers and they're going to be putting a pretty heavy layer of this uh, product down. It's going to go down for the appropriate dwell time. And then we're going to have another crew of wipers come behind it and wipe up the residual. So that's, that's the way that we're typically doing it. And it, it can go as, as light as surface areas and high touch areas, or we can go ahead and deep clean as well. Okay. So I, I see that you're in your office. So what what do people returning to their office need to know? What should they ask their employers? What are the questions that are things they should be paying attention to, to make sure are happening? Yeah. I mean, I, I would ask, you know, what kind of uh, protocol do you have in place for disinfecting um, cleaning? Most people do have a cleaning protocol in place and cleaning is very important in terms of uh, uh, reducing the spread of, of the infection. It's uh, you, you do have to have the surface cleaned and then it, it's important to have it disinfected after that. So find out what the protocol is. Um, you have to be realistic too. It's, it's not yeah. something that's going to be done every four hours and, you know, twice a day, but are the, are the janitorial crews cleaning and then are they disinfecting on top of that? Okay. So Brian, you work with all this stuff professionally on a regular basis, helping other people in their businesses. How do you take what you know as an expert in this area and apply it in your own home personally? 
Yeah, so really the, the key there is to go on the EPA website and find a registered brand uh, that's been approved for use for COVID disinfection. Um, there's there's hundreds of them out there, and some of them are large brand names that you'll recognize, others you may have never heard of, but they're they're easy to find at your grocery store, or, you know, um, and then the, the key there is choosing the one you want and following the directions on it. What kind of ventilation type things do you personally put in place when you use these products? Is that a concern of yours? I know a lot of my listeners, you know, they're scared of, of scents and they're scared of, you know, breathing things in and stuff like that. So like, how do you view that personally? Personally, I mean, I think you read the warning labels on the product and and definitely follow the directions. In the case of the commercial applications that we're doing, um, our folks are actually suited up in Tyvek suits and they're... Um, they're wearing respirators uh, when they apply this product, but there's a fair amount of product going down. There's residual fog in the rooms, things like that. That settles pretty quickly after, after it's applied. And then when they wipe it up, it's gone. It's not a harmful substance. It's just not something they want to be breathing in and having repeated skin contact with. So, you know, again, that those are questions that you could ask at work as well is what's being used and how's it being treated and how does it affect me? You know, and and mm-hmm. a good uh, risk manager uh, ought to be able to tell them very quickly what they're, what they're dealing with. Okay. Very good. Well, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you um, sharing with us. Is there anything else that, that you were hoping we were going to talk about or that you really wanted to share as wisdom today? You know, I think, I think the biggest thing is just going back to that, following those directions. It's uh, it's different than we're all used to. We're all, uh, you know, in the past we, we would spray some disinfectant down and wipe it up and not think again about it. And we're just in a different world now. So follow the directions and uh, make sure it's an approved product would be my two biggest pieces of advice. Yeah. Suddenly we all want it to really do what it says it's going to do. Correct. (laughs) And for that to happen, you have to follow the directions that they give you. That's exactly right. Okay. Well, thanks. Well, I want to thank you for joining me today. I know I learned a lot from Elaine and Brian. I hope you guys did too. I also want to invite you to join me for part two of this podcast series, where we will learn even more about antimicrobials, how they're regulated, and how we can all use them safely to protect ourselves, family, and friends. Until then, I'm Dana K. White of A Slob Comes Clean on behalf of Good Chemistry Lives Here. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.